You can see the stuff coming up. Jim's getting better. There are the messages. I wanted to make sure you could see today's message uh, in line with all of the others. I especially, I backed it up to make sure that we had God's sol sovereign salvation plan. Because believe it or not, this comes up again today. Wanted to tell you there was a near accident. Uh, well, there was an accident, but it could have limited my preaching today. <clears throat> so my uh, hunting partner who um, introduced me yesterday as his best friend, I get to do things with him every now and then. And yesterday uh, he had a project going on and that project was trying to get a real big pin on a big piece of machinery uh, out. It was stuck. And there was limited space, but we had sledgehammers and we had pry bars and we had other tools. And at one point in time, he was asking me to take the smaller sledgehammer while he held a pin and hit I was very nervous because he's significantly older than I am. If I were here, I would emphasize, if he was here, I would emphasize that more just to be, to pick on him. But I, uh, I did whack his hand a couple of times. Uh, and there's metal on both sides. So I wasn't swinging very hard. I've got a little sledgehammer and I'm being careful not to hit him, but every now and then it, I'd hit the thing and it'd slip off and it hit his hand. And he's, oh, I'm gonna feel that. So then things changed, and then he wanted me to hold a pin. <laughs> he grabbed the heavier sledgehammer, and he, and I said, I'm not sure. He took it, and he's like way back with it, and I said, I'm not comfortable with this. He goes, oh, come on. So I go ahead, and I have a glove on. I go ahead, and he took a whack and did not hit the pin at all. He hit only my hand, which that hadn't happened yet. And quickly, he's like, oh, my goodness, are you okay? I don't know. I was afraid to pull the glove off because I didn't know what I was going to see in there. And he goes, well, the, love, the glove looks like it. It's fine. And <laughs> I pulled it off, and uh, it, my hand was numb. And he said, I am so sorry. He said, you have to preach in the morning. I said, that's okay. I preach right-handed. So <laughs> it all worked out. So I just wanted to make you aware, if I wince when I hold the Bible, it's because I'm still feeling it, but nothing's broken that I'm aware of. I just had to share that, because I'm going to tell him to listen to the message, because I never talk about him. He's going to hear himself now. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, is where we pick up. I'm going to go ahead and read this. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Now, I wanted to show you that up front as our first part of the text, and all by itself. We're going to take a, a chunk of it all together in a minute. But I wanted to show you that, and I wanted to tell you by way of introduction to our text that this is only barely scratching the surface. In the message title, one of the things uh, I said in parentheses was the Proverbs uh, portion of Colossians. This is, this is, today, what you get is you get counseling, you get a swift kick in the pants, 
and you get encouragement. You get a whole bunch of life skills in one chunk. If there's any section in Colossians, if you're going to isolate and, and choose to say, this is probably the most practical, helpful piece, um, I would say this is it. So that's today. We got a lot of ground to cover. I'll keep it short, but we've got a lot of ground to cover. So I want you to notice in the first verse here, there's already controversy. You may not be aware of it, but it comes up in this manner because we talk about Christ is here with us. But we also talk about scripture that tells us very clearly he is seated at the right hand of God. That imagery is something that's supposed to be ingrained within us because it was predicted by Daniel. We've talked about this. Christ established his kingdom. There are many churches and experts that say the kingdom hasn't come yet. But it did. As Christ was enthroned at the right hand of God, he was made king of kings and lord of lords. His kingdom has been firmly established. That's the imagery we're supposed to get. If you serve him, you're in the kingdom. The one Daniel describes as the eternal kingdom. The one that is the final kingdom to dominate the known world. That's the way it's supposed to be. I mean, we live in a, in a state where nothing seems to make sense. Whatever comes out of our politicians seems to be completely unreasonable, and it's frustrating. And it doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or a Republican. It just seems so frustrating. It's like they're disconnected from us. Like they don't understand what life is like outside of their chambers. How do they not know? Well, let me comfort you for a moment because it's something that there's something they don't understand either, and we really don't as well. In my personal opinion, based on Scripture, I don't think the grace of God is a reasonable thing. I don't deserve it. I can't earn it. It makes no sense that God would even have me in his kingdom. It makes no sense that he would bless anything I do because if all by myself, I'm left to myself, I would mess it all up. So the grace of God is unreasonable. So I understand, they don't understand us either. So maybe we could at least at some point in time reason together and say, hey, let, both of us aren't making sense. Let's try to make sense of it all and work together. And if we could do that, can you imagine what the world would be like if we had a bunch of legislators that knew Jesus? We would have a lot less controversy in our churches because I can tell you from preaching for 35 years, there are a lot of times where people cling to their politics more than they do to Jesus. When it comes down to it, they want to hang on to a belief that's political and not biblical. Sorry, that's, just, that's the way we are sometimes. I think we come together with this. And so today, we're just scratching the surface with a little bit of controversy. So you know, Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, but he is with us. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. Now he can be omnipresent. He's not a physical body walking here on earth. So he can be both. All right. It gives us some advice, and we'll look at this in a minute, but I want to go ahead and back up a little bit because it starts with, if then you have been raised with Christ. Look at this, Colossians chapter 2, verse 11 and following. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were raised with him 
through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. It is not Scripture that has voided baptism. It's modern theology where we've, we've cheapened salvation, where we take it out, make it easy. Just raise your hand if you want to be a Christian. Scripture clearly says here, and then it connects it. It connected it last week, and it connects it today. If then you've been raised with Christ, that is directly connecting to its own context the idea of baptism. You've put your old self down. You have been crucified with Christ, symbolic in your baptism, and you rise anew. That's a direct connection. Don't miss that. If then you've been raised with Christ. So if you want to connect it there in our Bible, if you've been baptized into Christ, right, and you rose anew, that's what this is saying. Seek the things that are above. You buried your old self, now aim higher. That's what this is talking about. Okay, I didn't want you to miss that. Let's go ahead and read it as a chunk. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and following, because there's a lot here. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you've died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God, when Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. It was a difficult time for a professor of mine. He was going through a lot. He ended up being rejected by the seminary that he had served for so many years because his spouse of many years decided to leave him. And this conservative seminary knew that they would lose support if they had a professor that, had, that was divorced. He had no control, but he was let go. And he knew this was happening, and he's teaching a class. And as he's teaching the class, I had a lot of respect for this professor because I remember, I'm not going to name a name because it's a friend of mine, but there was a person in the class, an upperclassman that sat behind, and he was so obnoxious. He always was challenging the professor, and he was always wrong, except that one time. But every time he spoke, he irritated everybody in the room, because we're paying for our education here. Let the professor teach us. He's a distraction. But one day, as he was doing his obnoxious thing, questioning the professor, he challenged what Tony Newby had written on the board. He said, uh, you uh, wrote on the board this, but the Scripture actually says this, so I think uh, that's a little misleading, and something to that effect. And Mr. Newby looked up in the corner of the room. That was a common habit. When he was thinking about something, you could, you could see. I don't know if you've studied how the brain works, but that's actually a, a symptom of using a particular part of your brain. So he looked up in the corner of the room, and he thought for a minute. He said, and he grabbed the eraser, and he erased what he wrote. And he said, he's right. If you took those notes down, mark them out. It'd be better said like this. So he, wrote, he corrected himself, wrote on the board the right way, and he thanked the obnoxious student for correcting him with Scripture. And at that point in time, I, my respect for that professor went even higher. And a lot of times we don't think that. When you admit you're wrong, we think, oh, no, people are going to think we don't know something we're supposed to know. Actually, you actually you, you'll climb the ladder in their opinion of you, if you admit when you're wrong, rather than stay wrong. Does that make sense? 
Now you're right. So it's okay to be corrected, even if it happens in front of other people. But Mr. Newby was going through all this struggle personally in his own life, and he had a thought right there in front of us when he prayed. Every day he prayed as he opened the class, like all the professors did, and he had a thought that came in his mind. And that thought that came in his mind, he drew on the board and he, and he said, this just came to me. And he drew it on the board for all of us. And I knew what he was going through. And I thought, wow, that's huge. And because of that, through life, I've drawn this out for people using this scripture. It was the scripture that, had, that spoke to him. And I created a video when COVID began and I noticed that people's mental health was not good for the most part, and needed something. I thought, this is what we need. I had so many times I had preached on this, I drew the chart, but I never made a video, and I finally decided, you know what, I need to make this video so it's portable and people can send it to their family members, because so many church members had said, that's helpful. I've played it for you once already. I'm going to play it for you again right now. <laughs> 